Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. What do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. Just distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. Have it. You, you no no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline and deadline. listening to me right now welcome to episode 149 of the whitetail distraction podcast my name's austin and sitting on my porch is chuck what's up buddy what's going on man nothing man nice night out it's a little breezy in here huh? yeah Chilly i got almost. the fan going i was thinking that a second ago i was like i don't know if i should turn that off or not listen man i love it it's finally kind of cooling off today it's been so miserable we haven't had any rain it's been hot it's not good weather for my food plot that I wanted to put in. Luckily, I did not drop the seed in yet because we were supposed to have all this rain this week and we're getting nothing. Getting nothing, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of a tough time of year right now. I, I mean, some of the places I know, the corn and the crops are doing really well. We've had some rain, but trying to time this like mid-July, late-July, early-August kind of planning schedule... You want to hit the rain right. Definitely. You know, yeah. I'm glad I didn't get the seed in the ground the other day because I planned on doing it. Absolutely, man. Well. Oh, fingers crossed we get something soon. I'm hoping, man, for the sake of my garden, too. Yeah, the garden needs (laughs) it. The wildlife needs it. But I will say that, you know, since putting some cameras up and putting some food out, we've had some absolute hammers on camera. So it's starting to, it seems like. One of those years, like we've had in the past, I don't remember, I think it was 2017, where a ton of big bucks died. Yeah. You know, a ton of them died. It just seems like this is going to be one of those years from all the people I'm seeing big deer coming in from that you'll see across PA a lot of big deer dying. I would agree, man. I think it's going to be one of those years that you just see some absolute slammers coming out of Pennsylvania. Uh, I would agree. I think 17 was the last year of the goon, too. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, 17 was a that was a good year. There was a lot of big bucks and then we kind of saw that again, what would that have been? 2021. I want to say it was was that when Joe shot his absolute mammoth of a of a buck? Yeah, it was. Like 2021ish. Pretty sure. Um, it was either that or it was COVID year. I can't remember, but I, I feel like it was 21. It just seems like every so many years we get one of those years that are going to be special. Yeah, I would agree. And I'm hoping this is one of them. I hope this is like a Nostradamus moment for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping for the listeners, for everyone that you guys are on something, you have cameras up, you're at least keeping track of some big deer right now because they are growing crazy fast. Oh, definitely. We're watching deer in a week grow. 15 20 inches right now it's like holy they're just blowing up that reminds me i need i need to get out i'm super duper behind on everything man the only thing i've been doing is shooting my bow but 
I got to get out, get some cameras up. I got to pull cameras that are still out in the woods. Yeah. Make sure they're good too. to go. If, if they're toast, I need to get some new ones and I should probably get a couple new ones anyway, but, uh, that's a good reminder for me. Thank you. Yeah. I thought one of mine was dead and I just got two pictures yesterday. So I was like, Oh, not dead. Beautiful. Still alive. Still alive. <laughs> But the other one's been dead since October, so that one needs to go. Yeah. <laughs> I need to make a trip to the woods. <laughs> That's fun. Problem is, this time of year is tough to be in the woods, man. Bugs. It is, man. Skiers. I'm in the heat sucks. all day at work, too, mm-hmm. so I just, like, I get home from work. I don't want to be out in the heat. I right. mowed my grass the other night. It was, like, 95 degrees. I was, like, miserable. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a tough time of year. It's the anticipation of season. It's hot. There's not a lot going on. You're kind of trying to just come up with reasons to stay out of the woods as well because you don't want to be putting that unnecessary pressure on your animals but at the same time you got to do camera work you have to do food work if you're doing supplemental feed or whatever you're doing you know plotting it's a time of year where i feel like i'm behind and Mm -hmm. i need to get out there but also i got to remind myself like hey you can't be in there every other day or every week like once a month on the other plus side of things the dry conditions though keeping scent down and everything might be yeah might might be a plus side to it but yeah i don't know what the the dryness is is going to do but it's so far it seems like i mean as far as holding scent yeah the rain holds it 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 was kind of a misconception before where i always thought you know you wanted to get in there when it was going to be a gully washer and just wash that scent away but that might not necessarily be true that's a very good point because if you ever hunted with dogs mm-hmm. or which I know you have, but yeah. as a listener, if you've ever dealt with dogs, you know, like these super hot dry days is when they struggle the most with scent. Yeah. So you're right. I something mean, that, to think about. There could maybe. be something there. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. The little, only problem is usually when it's that hot, you're putting off a lot more sweat. <laughs> you definitely are. Scent. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who knows there, i might be wrong there's a downside but you're not leaving that ground scent i that's think right. it's yeah. more what you're you're referring to and that's that's a great point austin <laughs> <laughs> oh man i could just see myself out there right now just dripping sweat onto the ground going yeah sure no scent huh <laughs> <laughs> you can thank me later <laughs> yeah it's just a salt block oh man <clears throat> So what else is new, man? What's Nothing, going on? man. Been shooting, which is fun. We yep. got our Patreon shoot going on, which is pretty cool. The next, uh, what is it, 11 weeks now? Yep. This is uh, 11 weeks left. 11 weeks left, man. It's been good. It's been good. A lot of competition. Mm-hmm. A lot of crap talk. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Been, it's been it's the been most fun. active our group has been in the last six months. I look forward to it, though, man. It's, oh, it's yeah. been a while. There's a poll up right now for somebody to shoot. and <laughs> Yeah, it's been bananas, but on the other side of things, man, the people that keep us going have been uh, cranking it out, man. Yes, yes, absolutely. First and foremost, scree gear. I love, love, love my scree gear, especially this time of year. I was wearing my merino wool. I actually had a, a little application for some scree gear the other day. In my everyday life, I was wearing the merino wool face shield up while I was weed whacking the other day and doing some landscaping work because i was dealing with a lot of poison ivy yeah oh yeah and i didn't want that poison ivy to come you know hit me in the face and you know like then you get poison ivy all over your neck and your your face and i had my face shield up i was actually wearing that the other day while i was doing some landscaping work and even though it was super hot 
It's merino wool, man. It's so it was, breathable. It was actually keeping me kind of cool. Yeah, like it man. was it was the nicest part of what I was wearing. I had a a long sleeve like cotton base shirt on mm-hmm. and I was dying in it. Yeah. You know, I ended up the funny thing is I ended up throwing that off, tearing that off and throwing it off and changing into a short sleeve shirt and guess what as soon as I did that, poison ivy all up my arms. Yeah, I was going to I was going to ask about the poison ivy with you. I am not in good shape right now, <laughs> no man. Bueno. No bueno. <laughs> no bueno. I should not have messed around and rolled around in poison ivy because I'm <laughs> I'm covered. From, I can see a squirm over there a little yeah, bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I put some stuff on before I came over here, and it's starting to wear off. But literally from basically my hands down, um, like from where your glove would end, I guess. So, like, the most of it's from, like, my glove down to my elbow. Just rough. Rough. Miserable. I hate poison ivy. On the other side of the spectrum, though, you're wearing a beautiful hat, and I can appreciate it. Nice That's little right. scree hat going on. Guys, if you haven't heard of scree, go check them out. If they don't have a sale going on, use code WDP20, get 20% off your first purchase. And that rolls us right into the baddest broadheads in the business. That's right. I was just looking at mine today. My (laughs) VIP archery, my combat veterans. I was checking them out today as I was shooting a couple arrows and I was getting in there for some field points. I saw them and I'm playing with them in my hand, still razor sharp. I mean, those things are just mean, mean broadheads, Mean, man. man. I love them so much. 100% 100% made in America, veteran-owned company, Matt and Cindy Futuray. They are incredible people. Go check them out. Send them some love. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely reach out and order some broadheads. I know they have a decent inventory leading into, into season, so they should have no issue getting you outfitted with some broadheads. Awesome. awesome. Well, well, guess what? First off, we didn't even just realize this, but, like, dude, episode 150's creeping in on us. That's kind of a milestone. I mean, that's kind of like, that's a number for me. You know, I don't know. Did you even realize, like, did it hit you? Uh, not really. I wasn't even thinking about it. Right. That's what I, like, <clears throat> until you said 149, I was like, holy moly, our next episode is going to be 150, dude. Just keep chugging along. And just little by little. I love it. I'm a I fan, man. So, sorry, I had to cut you off there. because no, it's like okay, I just man. had the realization of where we were, and number-wise, like. We're there, man. We're it's almost a, there. It's a good thing, man. Yeah. Let's just keep cranking them out. That's right. Get to that big two o o. So what do we got for 149? Because this is like... This is a different episode, man. It is. This is one we got invited on another podcast, The Non-Typicals. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys listened uh, back, what, two or three episodes ago when we had a call-in episode, our call-in guest is actually one of the members of The Non-Typicals. Yeah. Very cool. Um <clears throat> This is just kind of one we're just going to do a little cross post. Get them a little bit more recognition. They're a newer podcast. Guys, go check them out. The non-typicals. They're on Spotify. Give them a goog. Yeah. Check out their YouTube. That's where they mostly post their stuff. That's what they want to grow is their YouTube channel. Check them out on Instagram. The non-typicals. Their YouTube is actually a really good, uh, solid YouTube channel. I would agree. Following them for a year and a half before I even knew who they were and realizing that, like, some of the guys we've had on this podcast are with the non-typical group. Absolutely. Didn't know that. No. You know, and then I, I realized that. I'm like, well, wow, that's actually pretty cool putting two and two together. But, you know, yeah, they reached out to us and they had us on and I thought the episode went fantastic. I thought it was a great episode, man. Good old PA boys. Yeah. I mean, These what's are not the guys to like about it? That deserve that little extra exposure. And if we can give that to them, 
by all means, I'm I'm all in for it. They're they're good dudes. They're our kind of people, um, and they're and they're young and they're just trying to get into it, trying to grind, man. Yeah, they're just growing, um, but they're growing fast, and I'm, you know they're doing all the right things. So, people that I I would not mind supporting and giving the uh, little extra exposure to. I would totally agree, my man. A little different style episode than what you know what we have here, but you know there's nothing wrong with a little bit of diversity. Absolutely, yeah. Everybody can't do the same thing or else what would be the point? You would only have to listen to one podcast then. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) You know, instead of multiple, you just listen to the same one over and over and over again. And those are the kind of podcasts anyways that I kind of stopped listening to. Yeah, I'm with you. Right. So go check those boys out and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to a non-typicals podcast. This week, we're on episode 14 with the Whitetail Distraction podcast. We kind of break down how their podcast started. We talk about some hunting stories, and then we get into some uh, just general hunting discussions, and definitely one you don't want to miss, so tag along. You guys want to introduce yourself? We got Chuck and Austin, I believe, from Wait Till Distraction Podcast. Basically, just give us an intro about your guys' selves, how the podcast got started, and basically how you guys met each other, and therefore, basically, if you want to go off of that. Sounds good, man. I guess I'll lead things off since I do most of the talking anyways. Sometimes. I'm just, you know, that's who I am, I guess. But uh, Charles Hedlund, Chuck, whatever you guys want to call me, is perfectly fine, but basically just been hunting my entire life hunting fishing camping outdoors has always been you know family thing with my family i got you know my dad three brothers we're all super into it all every one of us so it was just natural for me to just kind of grow up in it and then austin here we met through a mutual friend and through that mutual friend we became friends because we both hunted and we both liked the outdoors and then austin got me into podcasts and yeah. I started listening to podcasts, and I just absolutely dove 100% in, like, deep dive in. And then from there, it was just, it was all downhill. I mean, basically, we, I was thinking it. He said it. He was like, eh, maybe we should start a podcast. And I don't even know if you were serious when you said that. Oh, I was 100% all okay. deep. <laughs> just making sure, because I was like, dude, I've been thinking that for, like, six weeks now. Like, ever since I started listening to podcasts, why don't we do one? I mean... We, we have tons of stories and tons of things that we can talk about. So, you know, that's kind of how the podcast became a thing, really, was just the two of us kind of chit-chatting about it. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I'm Austin Schweitzer. Um, yeah. I mean, we both just kind of met just sort of how Chuck said. I mean, we had a little bit of a mutual. Um, his dad knows my dad. Mm. We didn't know that until we started hanging out, like, way down the line and cousins and uncles and everybody getting involved. And we were like, oh, wow. It was pretty wild to be honest but um i grew up hunting in pennsylvania it's kind of like everybody else like gun season was the big tradition thing and you know got in hunting and fishing with my grandfather i mean he was my role model through everything he hunted big game his entire life kodiak alaska shooting brown bears and big elk and everything i looked up to him so much it was just it was absolutely wild he's a cool dude um but that's what got me into it man i love bow hunting and i love podcasting and yeah that's me yeah all right, so I think I heard on your podcast you guys are on, like, year five. 
Yeah. 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 We decided that's, to do this in 2018. It was yeah. just uh, on a whim. That's crazy, man. I mean, to do it for five years and you guys seem pretty consistent. You try to put episodes out very frequently. I, I don't know what you try to schedule like once a week or something like that. Pretty close. But that's very impressive to keep it going for that long. Yeah. You know, to be honest. I was thinking about it today, actually. You know, we, we have 148 episodes that we just recorded, 148, yep. you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't compare to maybe some of the numbers of the guys that are putting out two a week and whatnot that started, you know, after us around the same time. But I'm super proud of uh, the consistency that we've had. You know, we had a couple uh, hiatuses, I'll call it, when, you know, Austin was having kids. It was very, very busy time of the year, and obviously he put – that first and i would have done the same i mean that's just a time in your life you're never going to get back when you have real young kids and you really got to be there you got to be present you got to help out and that's what he was doing and and for a little bit there you know i i picked up the slack when i needed to and you know austin has picked up the slack he he basically carries the burden of the most of the podcast to be honest with the editing and everything and then you know i just wanted to learn and try to help him as much as possible totally man totally yeah we had a little hiatus if if we were more consistent and we didn't have those years where everything I I would see I would at least think we would be a lot higher on the episode count. But I'm with you, man. I'm proud of what we got going on, and we've had some really great guests and met a lot of great people, and it's been uh, it's been an experience to say the least. Yeah, I mean, we basically have if you think every week for three years we have that amount of podcast in amount of in in a time frame of five years. Yeah, you know, sometimes we're biweekly. If something happens, we've had some technical difficulties. Podcasting is not as easy as everyone makes it out to be or thinks it is trying to stay consistent with hunting season and everything else that's going on it's it's tough to do it weekly but that is that is our goal and that's what we strive for every once in a while we might miss a week when life gets busy but dude we we're trying to get you know this thing continue going stronger than ever to be honest definitely and i would say so too um realistically the consistency thing i mean it it came and it went but at the same time I don't even know where I was going with that. I think you were going to say that there's a lot of podcasts that started and haven't made it this far. I mean, yes, that's, I wasn't <laughs> quite going that way, but yeah, regardless. Congratulations on number 14, guys. I think they say, what, you got to make it to six, and then nine? once you hit seven? You told me nine. It might have been nine. Back in the day when we started this, you told me if you make it past nine, you're officially a podcast, and you can make yeah. it there. Most podcasts <laughs> fail after nine, so yep. congratulations, guys. That is a, a feat. Thanks. Yeah, and same to you. I mean, you're... 10 times as many as we are and we're kind of similar we had a pretty big hiatus from like last turkey season the whole way till like what two weeks ago two three weeks ago so uh everyone's you know changing jobs or starting families you know just the same stuff you guys are going through it it catches up and then the podcast was kind of like a i don't know afterthought honestly yeah definitely i remember where i was going with it the consistency thing this isn't like the podcast for us it's not something we're trying to get rich off of or become like famous or anything it's just a hobby so that kind of goes into the consistency thing too like we try and stay as consistent as, as we can but like chuck says if it's hunting season and we want to hunt we're, we're gonna hunt yeah we're gonna hunt if we're hot on on a big buck or you know we're right there and we need to get out because the weather's perfect or it's the rut we're gonna get out and, definitely and you be honest i mean that time frame is <laughs> It kind of to our detriment because that's when everybody wants to listen to podcasts. Know, you know? Know. <laughs> that's the best time frame is hunting season. That's when everybody wants to hear them. But, you know, in making time for it, you have to sacrifice somewhere. 
Yeah, I mean, five years for you guys, that is crazy. I know we're on 14, and like Moss said, we have a, a hard enough time getting together doing 14, let alone 148 for five years straight. And I mean, we've only been in it, what, half a year, realistically, maybe a year. So, I mean, five years definitely an accomplishment in itself right there. Yeah, we appreciate that. You know, it's tough when you have multiple people involved, too, because like you said, everyone has their own schedules. You know, the the easiest way to do it, the best advice I can give you is, you know, try to make a schedule, try to schedule people out ahead of, in advance, and then whoever can make it can make it. If it's one-on-one -on -one or if it's three-on-one, you know, whatever you can do just to keep things rolling. You know, I, uh, I help out with the Outcast podcast as well, and it's kind of the same there. You know, we're up and down and all over the place, but it, it's never always the same people it's whoever can make it and that's kind of how you have to be you know but it's tough because you want to enjoy it with your buddies you know i didn't want to record without austin because it's not the same podcast when there's not you know the two of us definitely so different vibes i feel like that's the big thing with us like with moss aka Corey, we call him moss um, he's like the head guy basically because he does like all the editing and he's always around doing like all that kind of stuff. Basically, I'm doing the filming for the most part because I just take anybody out just to record like videos and stuff like that. But like the podcast, I think Moss is just more technical about everything. So with me getting a new job here starting the 24th, and then I have a kid that just was born in December, it's been freaking a roller coaster for me just to do stuff consistently. Turkey season, I got a little break because the fiance was working out at her her family lives out by Wilkes-Barre Scranton area and we're from like two and a half hours away from there. So like with her like being out there on the weekends, it was nice for turkey season because I could be free with no baby and stuff like that and get turkey on a lot this year. But like down the road, it's going to get tougher. It's just all there is to it. I know it's going to happen. Definitely. Definitely. I would say so too. We try and keep it to like, I would say when we first started getting consistent, we kept it to like Wednesday nights. Mm -hmm. We were like every Wednesday night we're going to record. And if it's not Wednesday, it's like Thursday. Yeah which kind of puts you in like that time crunch to get editing if we're putting it out Friday because we drop Fridays. But if you're moving forward and you dig it, find like that one day and try and stick to it. It makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, and if you can get a week out, like uh, the week that you record, you post it the following week. So, you know, you double up or triple up in a week to get ahead. Backlog. Boy, that backlog is just so crucial. On weeks that something comes up, you can just drop an episode you already recorded. I mean... You know, if you guys find like a week where you can all get together and just hammer out two or three a night, I mean, you could really build that backlog up and then you can, you know, live a little stress free. <laughs> but it is tough. Now, have you guys, have you guys had anybody like kind of like chomping the bit to, for you guys to get their episode out? That was like a big question we always had. Yes. Yeah. Couple. Yeah. Not too many. Most people are just kind of curious when it's coming out, but I think we've had two or three that were like, is it going to be out this week? Is it going to be out this week? And it's like, no, uh -huh. you're three back. Like, <laughs> right, right. Like, no, sorry, you're three weeks. And if you're up front with them and tell them, like, look, all right, we have, you know, we're on episode 110. We have two recorded and then yours. So yours should post in three weeks. They're, they're usually really cool. Now, if you mm -hmm. miss that time frame, that's when the questions start coming in. People will start asking, like, hey, what's, what's going on? You know, where's the episode? Um, and the worst thing you could ever do is <laughs> do that and then come up with technical difficulties where the episode's lost or something and you have to record all over again. We've had a couple of those. That happened before, too. <laughs> That's not it's as bad just... as mine. I, I lost all of our hunting film from last October and before. 
<laughs> no. It was That's terrible. And I, w- yeah. I was really backlogging them. Like, yeah, we used last deer season for this upcoming one, and it, I lost it all. It was terrible. Oh, Man, bummer. That hurts. That hurts. Did you get any, uh, like, an external hard drive or anything that you can just throw it on immediately now? Yeah, well, it was all on an external hard drive. Like, I knew all of the the horrible stories that people tell, and then I ended up <laughs> dropping it off my desk. Oh. So, so it was done. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. Can they hear that? Did you know. guys hear that? No, uh, they definitely no. didn't hear it. They definitely didn't hear that. <laughs> Our sound bite. He, he played a sound bite. <laughs> Play it again. It must not good. Yeah, there it was. Yep. It's turned down. It's turned down yeah. a little bit, yeah. That's why. I didn't want to blow their ear <laughs> That's that's one thing I really like about your podcast. You got them little blips in there, and that's that's just hilarious. It like engages with the, the listeners and stuff. It's funny. Sometimes I think I border on the you know cusp of being annoying when I do it, but it it's funny to me. I don't know. I'm it, weird. As long as the timing's right, I'm all for it. I love it. I love everything about it. You know, we have a more laid back podcast. Ours has always been, we've always said it's like campfire style. You know, if you're coming on our podcast, you might as well sit down in a, a chair across from us from the fire. Like that's basically what we try to do. You know, keep it relaxed, keep it calm, and just try to have a normal conversation with people like you would in hunting camp. You know, and if we can do that every week, I think it's, it makes it more enjoyable. And we've had people come on where they're like, wow, I've really had fun doing this because the style is a little bit different. You know, you're not, just hammering people with questions all the time. I mean, we're asking questions. You have to interview. Definitely. You know, but it, it's just a different. We try to go for a little bit different style. Right. All right. So let's let's hop in. Here's one of my biggest questions. I've listened to you guys, you know, probably for the last year and then really dove into a bunch of episodes I might have missed this week because I knew you guys were hopping on. But I want to know for you individually what drives your whitetail obsession? Uh, can you can you uh, replace the word whitetail with turkey? And I'll answer this in like half a second. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Totally kidding. You know, whitetail for me, it was that first animal like that when you were younger, you know, we had to wait till we were 12 to hunt, right? So when you're like 10, 11, you start to realize you're watching your dad and your older brothers go out and they're going hunting and they're coming back all covered in camo and you know whitetail was always like that animal for me that that was the big one that everybody was after you know everybody wants to shoot the big buck but really i mean our family was more or less we're just out to put meat in the freezer like we don't care what we killed we were never really after you know big deer but that kind of i mean the whitetail bug kind of fueled me from there just watching them and not really knowing even what it entailed but honestly that first archery season when i think it really just like kicked in because that first year i had it like 10 yards where it's just standing there and it's you know licking its back and it's giving me the head bob and it's doing everything it can to bust me and i go to draw back and it busts me like you just explode after that moment like something like that that first experience is what just it'll hook you immediately and that's what I guess that's what did it for me as far as like actual whitetail getting after like mature quality bucks isn't something I started to do until 
probably shortly after we started the podcast, to be honest, yeah. you know, started listening to podcasts and changing things up and the way I hunt and everything else. But, you know, it's those close encounters. That's, that's what does it for me. That's that was a cool answer. Thanks, man. Yeah, he got it. I, I just love whitetail in general. I'm one of those guys that I get excited, like beyond belief, whether it's a doe or whether it's the buck you're after. So, I mean, just for example, I shot my buck one year. Charles hadn't filled his buck tag. We went out. It was like late November, super duper cold in the morning. We did a hanging hunt. We got in the tree. And the only deer we saw all morning was this little forky that came in. But I will tell you, I was videoing Chuck and I had the crazy legs. So unbelievably bad. I was so excited about this deer coming in that like he literally looked at me and was like, dude, calm down. I couldn't help it. I was so excited. I had no stake in the game, already filled my buck tag. It's this little dink, dude. <laughs> not even legal. Just, not even legal. I was just so excited and fired up about it. I don't I don't know. They just get me white like Mm-hmm. it's weird <laughs> i feel like we could go across the board with that question even moss so like whenever you guys were saying that i'd, I'd say for me personally i we, we're different compared to you guys because we start with the mentor youth program so oh, i was okay. technically i was technically i think 10 or 11 years old when i shot my first year ever and it was i think it was just a five point with my grandpa on rifle season but my first archery buck, I was 11 years old, and I, I probably won't forget that till like, the day I die. It was the year that Primo's brought out that Snort Wheeze uh, call yeah. that they came out with, the buck roar or whatever. And I was with my mom, and with her recently passed away three years ago, I'll always remember this for the rest of my life. So with that situation, we're sitting there, and she's like, "You're there's like a spike and a six-point like 300 yards away in a cut cornfield. And we are in a double-man tree stand at the time. And I had a dart and storm. I could remember it to the day I die. And I had this crappy cut-on-contact uh, freaking Carbon Express broadheads. And I freaking snort wheeze at these deer at like 250, man. And the scrubbiest bucks ever. You wouldn't think they'd come in. But they started sprinting into this snort wheeze. And I, it came into 30 yards. I pulled back and I shot it and smoked it. and went about 50 yards and died. So, like, that was what got me addicted to the whole deer side of things with the whitetail side of things but with, with like what chuck was saying i i prefer turkey better than i do tur- uh deer and that could be a whole another oh, rabbit boy. hole to talk about <laughs> yeah well i won't bring us into the turkey rabbit hole we're we're too close to deer season now there you go i won't i won't <laughs> do that to you guys <laughs> by the way i still use that that same call i just have had to replace that little like reed stopper in it like four million times but I use that yeah. same call today. I've called so many deer in with that. I mean, I don't use the snort wheeze. I do that with just my mouth, but the grunt on that thing is just like it's mean, dude. It works so well. So the well. same one, man. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you say that stopper because literally last year, the best hunt that I had all year, I went to grunt in a buck, nothing. Yeah, it just, I was just blowing through. Yeah, I couldn't figure up. it out. Did it freeze no. up? No, that ring. No, that little that little plug fell out. That actually like uh that, like what did you read? Yeah. I ended up breaking a branch off a tree and whittling it with my knife and I shoved it in there and then I grunted the rest of the day with it. But <laughs> I think it's still in there. I didn't I, replace it. Yeah. I've had mine freeze on some really nice deer in Ohio, man. That is the worst, worst feeling. Yep. In the You're world. blowing so hard. And then all of a sudden you just, yep. <laughs> I, I am interested though, to hear from the other two, you know, Eric and, and Moss to see what kind of got you guys hooked as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I can go. Uh, so like Cody said, we were, I was in the mentor youth program. Uh, I think I started hunting at like 10. Uh, I missed a deer every year when I was 10, 11, and 12. I didn't shoot my first buck until I was 13 with a rifle. And it was a spike. And from there, I mean, just kind of got hooked on it. And I'm like, yeah, this is, and that was rifle hunting. And then 13, I finally was able to pull back 35 pounds to hunt archery. And I missed two bucks that year with my bow for the first year. And I finally shot a doe. And from there, like, it was just hooked from there. And, like, I mean, I, wa I watched my, my dad, my uncle, my grandpa. Really, my uncle was a big archery one. He got me into archery. Uh, you know, crossbows weren't really a thing. So he's like, you, you got to pull back 35 pounds. And it was, I'm part of an archery league in the winter. So, like, all winter long, we just would go up there and shoot and shoot and shoot. So I just build my muscles the whole way up so I could hunt archery that year. Uh, and my grandpa was rifle. He was like big, like you, uh, Austin, I think you said your grandpa. Yeah. He yep. did, he did it all. He like, he's been to Iowa a bunch of times, killed some studs in Iowa. Like I, I always, and I was real young then. I'm like, I want to, I want to be like him. I want to shoot giants. And it just like got the itch and now it hasn't gone away yet. My man. That's yeah, awesome. That's awesome. Did, uh, did archery, get you more hooked or more addicted than rifle did it was it a totally different experience for you yes 100 percent. i don't even yeah i don't even hunt rifle now really i mean i do because we'll get together and we'll do drives and stuff like if i don't have yeah. a buck tag i'm like i'm still walking i don't care like if i don't shoot one in archery it's i just kind of chalk it up it's not shooting a buck for the year i just it, it's addicting it's like a drug that i i you just can't get off of that you want to do consistently and rifle like i've kind of lost the touch like i enjoy it because i'm always together with a group of guys uh close friends and family and stuff but like hunting wise i could i'd rather be in a true stand with my bow than anything yeah couldn't agree more man totally i think every year i say it if i can fill every tag with my bow i'd be perfectly fine with it but over probably the last four or five years just the camaraderie of camp and it's kind of brought my interest in rifle season back you know bringing new groups of friends in and hunting with new people and taking my nephew out. I mean, that's all stuff that I can do with a rifle that I can't really do with a bow, you know, as easily or as effective. So it's been, uh, it's been fun, but it's a totally different world. So I'm glad, glad to hear that wasn't, you know, much different for you guys. It was for us. It seems like definitely. And then for me, I, I just really ha like how it's like, you can be as adaptable as you want in the whitetail hunting realm like you can go mobile you can go you know ladder stand stuff like that and i really like it's it's literally like a game of chess like you can get involved as much as you want you can strategize as much as you want but you don't have to go like if there's a day that you know you're like you know what i'm brain dead i'm just gonna go pick a spot you never know that biggest buck could be walking over the hill but I also like the chase aspect where you're trying to find those bigger bucks on purpose. I totally agree with that. I like that approach to it too. I mean, you have to be adaptable. Um, it's not to say that you can't go sit the same stand every day and, and shoot a good one because you absolutely can. You can shoot a million deer in a season doing that. But I, I'm with you. I like the, you know, how many different approaches even I've taken since we've started this podcast, just learning different stuff from guys and, mm -hmm 
you know, starting off mobile and hunting with the biggest freaking climbing stand you've ever seen and being loud and everything else. And then moving through that mobile setup, getting lighter and then going into saddle hunting or running gun or any, anything like that. It's, it's wild. Yeah. And then like I moved up here three years ago, up, I'm up in Kane now and I, I used to run down to like Cody's or down three hours to my parents. I'm like, you know what? I'm in the part of the state that has the biggest bucks probably per square mile. I just need to double down and get to it. And that's, I'm on year two with that. So it's been, I would say up hunting up here is a lot more fun than anywhere else I've hunted really. Definitely. Cane area. That's gotta be pretty, pretty tough hunting though. I would imagine big woods, steep elevation changes. I mean, that's some, some serious real estate. I'll be up your way here. Not too s- couple weeks now for some uh, rattlesnake hunting be heading through your oh, area. So, yeah, it's a fun yeah. area. The, I mean, the area I kind of hunt, it's like on the top of the plateau. So it's kind of flat. Okay. There's hills. But, I mean, you probably have to drive 20, 30 minutes to get in some big country. Probably You're probably looking gotcha. at more like, like east towards like Emporium type area. Nice. Who were we just talking to that was from Emporium? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't ring a bell with me. I don't even know where that is. I know where Kane is. I Maybe know. I was talking to somebody. I thought it was on the podcast. Maybe no, not. I don't think so. <laughs> but it, it is wild, though. I mean, just the way that we've changed over the years and, and what kind of hunter. And, you know, it's so, so crazy. I mean, you guys were talking about, you know, some of the early ages where you killed bucks like 11 and 13. I mean, I don't think I killed my first buck until I was 17, 18 years old. I mean, I was, I was still in high school, but I was almost, you know, I was probably a junior or senior when I finally got my first buck. It was with a gun, nice six point, but I know I was older than 16 because it was point restrictions and I was up, I was up uh 2F and I shot a really nice six point, but um, you know, that was tough when they first came out with point restrictions and we were trying, you know, transitioning from like 16 to 17 and back then you guys might not even know it because wouldn't have applied to you guys but you know you had to have four on a side back then you had to have the brow tine as well and that was tricky because that you know how many bucks you see with brow tines that are an inch maybe you know inch and a half and they come through last light dog and a doe and i had to pass on dozens and dozens of deer you know back then but it, it just goes to show like that. I didn't care if I killed a buck every year back then. I really didn't. I was just trying to kill numbers, you know, two, three deer a year was what my goal was every year and, you know, accomplished it. But, and it wasn't until more recently, like I said earlier, like we really started to go after targeting bucks, I guess. Yeah, more more mature bucks just in general yeah. targeting. Yeah. Kind of, but getting into like a more aggressive approach and, and really trying to get on like that next caliber animal. Mm-hmm. so you guys from what i understand you guys go out of state quite a bit you know whether it's deer hunting or i think you had you guys go out of state a little bit for turkey don't you definitely more chuck than me but yeah. i kind of stick to west virginia for the out-of-state turkey mm-hmm. yeah i've been doing a lot more traveling lately uh, last few years we've always tried to do one out-of-state trip for for deer my family and i we used to go to Illinois. Uh, that was my dad's spot for like 13, 14 years straight. He went to Illinois every year and chased absolute giants. And then EHD hit out there so bad that 
of course my first year out there was like the big ehd years i think it was 2012 it was right after college they got hammered yeah <laughs> got absolutely crushed but we all three had opportunities a really nice deer um i actually shot a really nice buck probably a 125 130 class buck and uh somebody had found it before we recovered it and cut the head off so that was fun so my first that would have been my first ever archery buck and somebody yeah cut the head off of it but my dad's buddy ended up to get uh, he did get one that year and you know after that i think we took a year off went to ohio and then went back to illinois and it was it just wasn't the same so we've been bouncing around a little bit but ohio seems to be every year for for deer now turkey that's a totally different animal i've been all over the place for turkey i hunted five states this year yeah five states this year um i don't know what i'll do next year probably another five or six it just depends since we weren't going to talk about turkey what's your goal for turkey you know I, I i don't want to but i'm just curious are you going for your like 51 state i mean the 50 states or you know 49 you know it's 49 chasing 49 mm-hmm. yeah um you know i think i've heard some people talk about it and they put it well like I'm not going after 49, but I'm going to continue to hit different states and cross them off my list one at another. I'm, I'm more going after the experience of the traveling and trying to get on birds in short periods of time and seeing new places and, you know, going out west this year, like South Dakota, experiencing that. And the difference between that and going down south to Florida, those are like two different worlds, completely two different worlds. And it's just been so much fun. You know, I completed my Grand Slam this year and it's just been I mean, now it's, there really isn't, I never, there was never pressure, but it's more or less just trying to knock a couple new ones off every year. If I can get two or three new ones every year, I'd be perfectly fine with that. Um, I know some people say 49 by the time they're 49. That seems like a reasonable goal, I guess. I'd say that's reasonable. Yeah. Gives me some time. Yeah, you know? definitely. Definitely. I don't really have a turkey goal, to be honest with you. I'm, I don't have the bug quite as bad as Chuck does. I'm more into whitetails, but I don't know. I've hunted a couple of states out of state for turkey. I like hunting them. It's, it's a blast when I'm there, but it's not something I like. Charles is absolutely thoroughly bit by the bug. He's obsessed mm-hmm. with killing birds. I mean, that's just that's his thing, but not for me. Not so much. I more so yeah, want to go like shoot a mule deer or something. Yeah. That's the same for me. I could give two shits less about turkeys. Dude, deer's where it's at, you know. They're, I have no problem shooting a Jake every first opening day. I have no problem doing that. There you go. That's uh, exactly I'll see, my, I'll see I'll, myself I'll, out. <laughs> I'll, pound Jake, <laughs> I'll pound a Jake first morning, last day, doesn't matter. We did we did do a travel out of state. Uh I know they did Moss and Cody did one this year, but I went, what was it? Was it two years ago, Cody? Well, three years ago, two or three years ago. We went down to Tennessee. It was the first yeah, out-of-state trip we ever did. Uh, it was fun. I mean, that I think that really piqued my turkey interest. But uh, like like Moss said, I, I could care less. I, I'd rather go chase, you know, whitetails in a different state. Uh Austin, like you said, muleys, elk's my dream hunt, chasing them in the rut with a bow out of, like, out hey, west somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I just, some anything with a bow, like, I want to go kill a bunch of animals, archery. Like, I don't want to do it with a rifle. I'm yeah. with you. I, I, 
I'm kind of on the on the fence about that. Like, I love killing stuff with my bow 100%. I'd like to maybe dip my toes into the Western game maybe with a gun, but at the same time, I want, I want to take the bow. I do, but if I'm spending that much money on a tag, especially the first time out, I, I think I want to take a gun and reach out and poke something. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's tough, man. Yeah, turkey is totally different for me. Like, if it's a Jake, and if I accidentally shoot a power Jake on accident for a mature bird, it is what it is. But I'm trying to shoot a gobbler, and I'm more hooked to turkey, I think, hunting because my mom was like a big turkey hunter. So, like, that was the thing that we like to do together is just turkey hunt. Like, turkey hunting Definitely. is a big thing. Like, the biggest bird I've ever seen was hers, and she shot a 12 and a half inch beard and two inch and a half spurs. So, like, that was a big bird. I shot, I almost shot an inch and a half this year, it was an inch and three eighths, and I had a 10 inch beard. So, that was my biggest bird to date. But, tail fan snaps so i couldn't get him out and that was the only disappointing thing i will say like whenever i shot it, it rolled down the hill it's the last last saturday because monday was the last day i shot at one when i shot it, it rolled down the hill and snapped his tail fan so i couldn't get him out and so it was a very disappointing day but at the same time it was my biggest bird to date so it is what it is yeah I, I think when you're traveling i mean there's a it's so much easier to travel and hunt for turkey it's it's more affordable you can do it on a shorter time frame and get on birds because they are screaming at you. I mean, they're literally, you know, if deer gobbled, I would love deer too, as much as I love turkey. But, you know, and I can't really even say that I love one more than the other. When it's turkey season, yeah, absolutely. I could care less about deer. But right now, like, I'm getting pretty gung-ho. We got some really nice deer on camera. And, you know, it's it's getting very exciting. It's starting to remind me why I still hunt whitetails as hard as I do and as much as I do because I love it just as much. But... You know, I want it all too. I want to do elk hunting and I want to do antelope and all these other things. It's just to try to save the money and the time, you know, when you go out west like that is such an investment to go for a 10-day hunt um, and try to get those days off of work. And usually, to be completely honest, I'm spent all my days by turkey season. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, turkey season just happens to come first and it's it's just a lot easier. But, you know, I definitely have goals and aspirations to hunt elk, like you're saying, man, in, in the rut with a bow. I don't think, I think that I'm afraid it'll, you know, hook me as much as turkeys do because that could be very addicting as well. And then now you got a $5,000 trip every year. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big turkey, man. Yeah. But, yeah. They, you know, they I do say, have, they say turkey hunting is comparable to elk hunting. They say it's about the same kind of concept I heard. So that, that's what scares me. If I go do that, I'm going to be screwed. 100%. I'm in the same boat. I'm I'm actually very afraid <laughs> that might pull me in because I know what uh, I won't be able to sleep at night for months on months. But uh, I actually just booked a trip, funny enough, to uh, a deer hunt this January into Florida of all places. So I hunted there a couple years back. And I only got to really hunt half of a day because it was kind of a hunting trip, but also a, like a vacation trip with my wife and her brother lived down there. So I was kind of going back and forth. And then the one day that we were hunting, another buddy shot a deer and he needed help. So I just went and helped him try to track it. So, but I'm going back and I'm, I think I'm going to do actually dog hunting. I think I'm going to try. Really? Yeah. This is the first I'm hearing about that. Yeah, dude. I, they talked me into it. A couple guys that had tried it last year that, you know, are just drop dead bow only hunters that are just absolute killers. And he's like, dude, I've never had more fun than dog hunting for deer down south with these guys, this group of guys. And he's like, look, you're coming in for three days. You don't know the place. You've never stepped foot on it. 
why don't you just come with us? You're not, you, we're probably not going to kill anything, but you're going to have such a better experience and so much more fun. So I've never really had an opinion one way or another on dog hunters for deer because we've never seen it. We've never experienced it up here. Obviously it's not legal, but I've, I've hunted small game, you know, rabbits, uh, squirrels, coyote, all these things with dogs. And I love it. Pheasants, you know, it's, it's a different experience. So I think I'm going to do that at least a couple days and then maybe I'll go hang in the saddle and try to shoot one with a gun, but you know, it's buck only. So why not? Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. That would be awesome. Like I, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't know how I feel about dog hunting deer, but I feel like at least doing it once would be a freaking blast. Yeah. I want to experience it. I don't want to be the guy that's never done it. That just talks crap on it. Um, and they have no experience whatsoever with it. You know, I can do that with fly fishing because, you know, I have bad fish, <laughs> bad experiences with fly fishermen. But when it comes to dog hunting, I don't, I've never, never had that. So I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it. It's making the trip uh, more exciting for me. And I'm sure we'll do Ohio again this year. We might do Missouri over Ohio. I don't know. Every year we're kind of in the boat where do we really want to go back to Ohio or do we want to try Illinois again? Do we want to go to Missouri I, I would rather go to Missouri, even though we've had such good success in Ohio. You know, I shot my biggest buck in Ohio last year. Um, you know, we've put some deer down over there. It's been, the numbers don't lie. I mean, it's been our most successful state by far for out-of-state hunts. So, it's a tough one. We'll see. Illinois might be on the on the uprise again. I know Alex, one of our group members, he killed a pretty nice one. His whole group. I don't know what the biggest one was, but they all killed really nice deer. They were great uh, deer, yeah. That was Indiana moss. It wasn't illness. Oh, that's right. Oh, sorry. My bad. It starts with oh. an I. Yeah, go, was go on... to Indiana. There's nice deer out there. <laughs> there are huge. Indiana's a sleeper, dude. Honestly. Yeah. There's not a lot of public in Indiana, but, you know, it's not that big of a state anyways. But that's the, the troubling part is there's not a ton, ton of public. And that's how we do these trips. Every trip we do it's always public. I mean, we're not hunting private land. We're not hunting leases. Uh, every out of state trip that we do, it's on public land. So I know a dude who worked on the railroad in Indiana and he would go shed hunting in the rail yards and around the railroad tracks. You should see some of the sheds this kid brought home. Unbelievably large. Yeah. I think if Indiana was a bigger state, they'd probably be on the map as one of the biggest buck states. For sure. Totally. For I would sure. say if you drive through Indiana, think about booking a trip and a vacation to Gary, Indiana. It's a beautiful place. There you go. <laughs> That's so, been an ass. That that, it's terrible. Um, I did back then, like way back, but I, <laughs> I don't remember quite what it was, but I do have one uh, since we were talking, you know, out of state and, you know, what we want to hunt. What would be both of your dream hunts? You can book it right now. What, where would, what would you go chase? Like season, animal, rifle, bow. Hmm. That's an easy one for me. Go ahead. I, I know what mine is too, but. Dude, 15 day float trip for moose with a bow in Alaska. Hands down. Yeah, that's, that's. Just seems to be that was going to be mine initially back in the day. I always wanted to shoot a caribou, and I don't know why, but yeah, cool. on it, yeah. But I think now it'd be more like a and maybe not an arch, 
Argentina, but somewhere with just a giant red stag with a bow. I think red stag with a bow, either Argentina, New Zealand, wherever. I think that would be, if I could do anything, that would be top of the bucket list. I mean, it's a good one. Those things are wicked, man. They are, and they scream. Yeah. And they put their head between their legs and pee in their mouth while they're being one or whatever. (laughs) Serious, watch a video. It's wild. (laughs) They got out of hand quick. They do. Then they <laughs> fill up their mouth and then they spit it everywhere. Just it's weird. Yeah, I want to change my answer. <laughs> now I'm intimidated. Watch a video, dude. I'm serious. Jeez. Yeah, they don't show that part on videos, I guess, that I watch. <laughs> what about you guys? You guys got one on top of your head? I'll go first. <laughs> He's dying um, laughing right now. Yeah. I... I don't know, white-tailed deer, dude. It's just I. If a dream hunt of mine would be, I, I guess my end goal overall for whitetails is a Boone and Crockett on film. But if I was talking an exotic species or something that's not a whitetail, it'd be Sika deer and Delmarva. Ooh, Sika deer. That's on my list right now. That'd be fun. And that that's, that's like it. affordable hunt too. Definitely. And yeah. like little turkey, man. Yeah, that is a weird... It's like is, a mini elk. It is, but that's a weird like dream hunt because like you said, it is kind of... It's obtainable. It's reachable. But at the same time, that thing's got like... You're going backwards in antlers for that little guy. No, but it's tough, man. I that's know, but hunt. No, normally everybody that you ask, they go bigger and badder than what they have, right? Yeah, yeah. That is... That's a unique uh, and I actually... I like the answer. It's just, I don't know, the, the type of terrain that they're in in those marshlands. And like, like you guys said, it's a, it's practically a mini stag. Um, and yeah. it, just the vocals that they do, and they just, I don't know, they're the guinea pig of freaking deer. I freaking want to blast one in the face. Yeah, dude, the marsh ghost. Do you know what a mutt jack is? Mm. I don't think Look so. up a mutt jack. They're real little, little they're, guys. They're tiny, tiny little deer, man. They might be they're like this big. They might be 30 pounds. Are they the ones with the little tusk? Yeah, they got little tusk, basically. They're sweet, man. They're supposedly phenomenal eating. Well, look how small they are, yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah, a 12-inch walleye. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I also, I think it would be cool to get, like, every subspecies of deer, too. Oh, totally. Yeah, Something like sure. that, you know? Nothing, like, it'd be awesome to go out in the Yukon and or go hunt mm-hmm. uh, Kodiak brown bear, but I'm more of a realistic type person. That's probably never going to happen for me. So shooting small. You know, the Powerball is pretty high right now. <laughs> yeah, I played that a couple of times. They only just take my money. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, that's not the way to get to one of them hunts. <laughs> <laughs> Scratch-offs. They'll get you there. <laughs> what about you other guys? What do you have for a dream hunt? So mine, uh, I would say elk or mule deer, but... I mean, out west, really, if you saved your money, it's could be pretty affordable. Uh, I think mine would be go going to the Kodiak and chasing grizzly bear with a bow only. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, dude. That would be to get up close and personal with one of those things, and and they're giants. Uh, it would be a thrill, like just an adrenaline rush, like no other. Yeah, you're asking for a heart attack for sure. After this podcast, <laughs> I have a picture of uh, my my grandfather's Kodiak brown bear that he shot on on Kodiak Island. I'll send it over to your Instagram. It's pretty wild. Yeah, didn't uh, shoot it with a of, bow. 
but still cool. One of, uh, so actually my boss and his brother, uh, my boss shot a brat, a grizzly or not. It wasn't a grizzly. It was somewhere. I don't know if it was a Kodiak or, or somewhere, you know, Alaska, somewhere over in, it was a, a brown bear. And he's like, you know, I just was at his house and he's like, yeah, you know, my brothers makes it look small. And we were at a party at his brother's then. And he had to dedicate an entire room for it. Like his, oh, his definitely book worthy. Like it's ginormous. It's insane. Wow. That's incredible. What about you, Cody? Screw that brown bear hunt with your bow. Cause I don't want to die. First of all, <laughs> I'd like to be on ground at least 30 yards away from one. Uh, honestly, I want to relive my mom's dreams, which would be I want to go on a elk rut hunt with the bow and shoot elk just for her sake. Honestly, I really, that would be probably the biggest thing for me. I really want to shoot a bull elk with a bow too, but with like, I just kind of want to do that for her because she couldn't do it. You know? So basically that's what I want to do. It's different. I feel you on that, man. Yeah, that's good. I like, it's a good answer too. Yeah. Elk's definitely up there for me too. I mean, that's probably top three to be honest but you know one that's crept up kind of and it's not exactly a species but a trip to africa would be incredible it would be absolutely incredible i think that'd be so cool you get to shoot all kinds of animals and i'm not even talking like the crazy species just all like their deer species i would just love to pile up the horns out there it'd be so much fun man cape buffalo with madeladdle it is it is it's super reasonable too i I don't think i'd add a ladle i I'd like to get efficient with it first, but <laughs> it, we'll see. I need to check one thing on my phone real quick. Keep going, okay. guys. It's it's but cheap yeah. too. It's cheap to go to Africa. I know that for a fact. Because I was uh surprised how cheap, honestly. Yeah, honestly, you're basically paying for your flight for the most part, and then everything else is pretty much cheap over there because they want them dead for the most part, and they get enough clientele to have people go over there and shoot all their stuff for them. And then you don't you can't bring back the meat. I got yeah. told. But it is what it can is. You, I don't care. Can you bring back like the the racks or the hides anymore? Like I know it was banned for a while. I and I wasn't sure if Trump took that out of like, like he allowed it to start happening again. I don't know if he can though. You can definitely get them back. Yeah. So what it is though, they have to do the taxidermy there. So they have to either pee in the hides or do the full mount in Africa before they can send them over. And the problem is where most people get hung up is the regulations to get them into our country from out of country. And this is, you know, not much different even for uh, like Mexico. We, we were talking to somebody about what trouble they went just getting their animal back from Mexico. It was, it was unbelievable. I mean, they said if it had more than two ticks on the hide, they would just throw it to the side. But the problem in Africa is most of those places, you know, they'll do the taxidermy and they have to clear customs. So they'll sit for six to eight months in a crate in a warehouse in Africa heat. And, you know, eventually a bug will get in and it could destroy your mat. So it's a, it's a big risk, but you can definitely get it back. It's just to go through the right outfitter that's going to fight for you and really push it would be an ideal situation if you really want to go over and get all of your animals back. Yeah. Uh, you'll never catch me going out of the country other than to Canada to go hunt. <laughs> I think Africa would be fun. I think that'd be just like an unbelievable experience type hunt. 
that would be one that I don't even care if I kill or anything. It would just be. I go to Mexico for coups. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Coups would be fun. Yeah, actually, that, that was be... almost on the list once or twice. Yeah, that would be definitely one for me. But the Africa thing, I could care less to bring it back over. I just want to freaking kill some crap. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, it would be wild though. I still, we were just talking to somebody last night on the podcast, Charmaine, and she's going over in August. Yeah. I, dude, I would love to shoot a kudu. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really cool. That's the kind of the one really only one that I have like yeah. a tremendous interest in, but I don't know if I would actually go to Africa or not. I think I would go and, you know, it probably would be easiest. I know you guys were talking about like the getting a skull mount version and rather than doing like a shoulder mount, just because, uh, you know, it'd be a lot easier to get it through customs that way. So, you know, that would be cool too, just to have like the horns and the skulls. I mean, they're really cool animals, and there's so many of them. I think that's why Africa's on the list, just because it's not one, you know, thing about when you talk about you're going to Alaska, you're going to hunt bear. You know, you're going to Alaska, you're going to hunt moose. You're not going to go to Alaska, hunt bear, moose, you, you know, wolf. I mean, some people do. You, you're going to spend a lot of money, but you can go to Africa and spend a fraction of that price and hunt 20 different species. So it's, you know... It's comparable to what kind of hunter are you? Do you want to put up numbers and kill a bunch of stuff and let a bunch of arrows fly, or do you want to suffer for 12 days and maybe get one opportunity at one animal? I'm kind of both, so I don't know. Yeah, I could, I could, I can see that standpoint. For Africa, wouldn't you, could it, could you not like do a European and have it shipped, you know, just a skull mount, have it shipped over here and then have a replica made where you wouldn't have to deal with, the customs or the, you know, anything yeah. of that nature. Probably, but then again, you, you're spending money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you can find a hide. Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna, yeah, that would be the biggest issue. Yeah, finding a hide for something like that would be really tough. I feel yeah, like Texas. I feel like Africa, for me, it's going to sound crappy, but I probably would just go on a killing spree over there, honestly, because, one, I'm not going to get any of the meat, and it's going to go to a good cause, I guess. So I'm just going to yeah. freaking have like over a dozen arrows and I'm just going to stick everything I see. <laughs> Your definitely is going to hate you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're going to be paying for them. But I mean, you get to eat them. You just don't get to take them home. Yeah, that's yeah. the tough part. But, you know, you are donating to starving families and communities. And it's a, it's an awesome hunt for that reason, too. It's a feel-good hunt. But I, I'm kind of with you, man. I just want to just stack bodies. You know, <laughs> it feels like first day of rifle kind of hunt. Like, let's just go stack them bodies. And Chuck, I think you said it, just the experience itself, like to see a completely different culture on the complete other side of the world, like just to see what they go through on a daily basis without even killing an animal. It would just be like getting to interact with those people would be something within itself on yeah. top of the hunt. Yeah. If you if you wonder why I travel so much for Turkey, one, because it's affordable, but the real reason is because of that same thing, the adventure. And every single time you travel somebody or somewhere for a turkey, I mean it's it's a new adventure. It's a new place. It's somewhere you've never been in your life. And I think that's the coolest thing in the world is that I'm going to experience one, I'm going to visit and see the country that I haven't seen. You know, I've mostly stayed around the eastern side of the country for most of my life. But I'm starting to expand and go to different places. And I'm going to see those places in the outdoors hunting a turkey 
which is like my favorite thing in the world to do. So it's for me, it's a win-win, man. It's the adventure, and it's the fact that you get to be in the woods while you're you're seeing the country in a whole new place, and everything's different, culture's different, everywhere you go. But Africa would be such a culture shock; it would be absolutely insane. I think that would just be over the top. But I kind of like the feeling of uneasiness that you get when you think about it. <laughs> you know, it's embrace the suck or you know be comfortable being uncomfortable i guess would be the better be a better one yeah mm-hmm. yeah i was gonna say i've always heard a saying that make yourself comfortable in the uncomfortable and that would definitely be you know something yet like you said culture shock that you just have to become comfortable with that would be completely different yeah and i don't want to speak for my wife but my wife taylor she went to africa like two years ago for like a college thing and she said like it's a lot more private like preserves than you would imagine she went to like south africa but she only went to like the towns and villages like once or twice on her two-week adventure over there and she says it was it was pretty rough i can imagine that'd be pretty uh yeah it's they're not you know it's uh it would be kind of an eye-opener for how well we do have it that we're able to do this and talk on a podcast and you know enjoy some girly beverages and my phone was dying be able to plug it in first world problems you know (laughs) we do have it really good here and i think something like that too would kind of bring you back down to earth a little bit and make you maybe appreciate more of what we do and what we can chase here um even if it's a hunting aspect a life aspect whatever you know i like to compare everything to the outdoors because that's kind of what my whole world revolves around but it would be uh yeah all those things in one i guess is why africa's crept up my list all right so back to the states i guess let's talk about what you've already experienced let's talk about your your favorite hunting memory whether it's deer bear turkey whatever let's let's hear the whole breakdown out of state memory that's fine yep Okay. Um, do you want me to go first? I'm trying to think of a good out of state memory. So yeah, I guess. Okay. I mean it doesn't have it doesn't so, have to be out of state. It could just be any like your favorite hunting memory in general, is what you said. Okay. Yeah. Well I got a good I got a favorite hunting memory. You go ahead though. Dude, uh, that we ask this every week <laughs> and it's now on us and I've drawn a total blank like oh not, I mean I, I, go. I have a good out of state memory, but like he's yeah. just they're looking for a memory in general. All right, you go first then. Yeah. Uh, we've told on our podcast a thousand times, but and you're going to remember this very, very well, but, um, the last buck I shot in archery, the hellhole swamp buck, like 100%. So, uh, Charles, I think I texted him in, uh, in the afternoon. I said, I was going out to a property that we hunt together and, uh, it's a big swamp. It's gnarly. Uh, we've killed quite a few deer out of there. Actually, it's, it's a really great property, but, um, and I was asking if he wanted to come out and film or something, I think. And he was taking a youth out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, that's cool. I'm just going to get all solo hunt. And I had a spot in mind, but I was kind of going in blind and I was running late and I got parked and it's next to like this big ass railroad track. And you don't usually hear trains on it very often. And a train was just barreling. And I was like, I'm running behind. I'm using this train as like my cover to get in there. And I basically sprinted. I threw my pack on. I I was in my, 
you know, my base layers. I looked like a crazy person wearing rubber boots and base layers, running through the woods with a stand on my back. Actually, it wasn't a stand. It was, it was actually the first saddle. Yeah. yeah. First hunt with a saddle, too. And uh, I had my bow and everything. I looked like a crazy person. I got blown in there and I get right to where about the ridge was that I wanted to get up and I start cresting the ridge. And there's a pile of does in there and they just busted out like crazy. And I was like, huh, well, this hunt sucked. <laughs> so uh, I went in and I found this tree. And it was kind of an anomaly because, you know, a lot of maples and stuff like that, they have the multiple trunks. This was a cherry tree and it's a triple cherry. And I was like, this thing is sweet. It was like made for a saddle setup. And I got in it and got all cooled down, got all my camo on and everything, got all set up. And it was just quiet, quiet, quiet. And it was like, I think it was October 27th, maybe. No, it was the 29th. Mel Johnson day. 29th, yeah. 29th, yeah. And uh, I was like, I'm just going to go for it. I blew these does out. I'm gonna, I'm just going to hunt a little bit aggressive in the stand. And I started rattling. I started banging horns, just beating the bricks off of them. And it, it was kind of chill after that, too. And I started doing a little bit of blind grunting. And I pulled out that buck roar, and I hit it a couple times, and it was like a light switch hit. And this buck, I hear this crash. He jumped this huge ditch. He must have just been cruising this ridge line, and he's on a beeline straight for my tree. And I wasn't prepared for it or anything. I didn't have my bow in my hand, nothing. And it happened so fast, he was literally, get my bow up, and he's underneath me, basically. And this is the first time hunting out of a satellite. Played around with it a few times, and... I was basically shooting straight down on this deer and got an arrow in him. I thought it was a good shot and it, it turned out okay, but, um, he took off. I mean, like a bat out of hell and just crashed. And I was like, I think he crashed, crashed. Awesome. So I'm shaking like a leaf. I call him. He's like, oh man, I'm just kind of getting out of the woods. I don't, I don't have a flashlight or anything. And, um, we were in an area with another buddy of ours. I was like, call him up, see if he can get a flashlight, see if he wants to come, whatever. And all of them ended up coming. Him, his wife, his brand new baby. His wife was carrying a baby in a in a baby carrier, and we just started tracking this deer, man. And it was all of a sudden, right off the bat, just absolute ridiculous blood. I attribute that to the veteran. It was a it was a regular veteran, the OG veteran. It was yeah, it was a bloodbath. It was. It was Freddy Krueger blood, man. And we we're looking, and he literally this tree had fallen, and it was all the top. So it was this huge area of limbs and he literally ran through it like somebody ran through uh like a drywall just <laughs> straight through it and that was the crash that i heard and that's not where he ended up we, <laughs> nope we started tracking him into the swamp and we came up to a very large stream and his tracks and his blood led right into the stream and we were like oh man we're, we're shining lights on the other side not seeing anything didn't see where he came out or anything and it was getting late late and our buddy was like man i got the baby i if it wasn't for you know them i would literally swim across this right now with you and i was like all right you know we all backed out and charles was like what do you want to do and i was like i really want to get to that other side and and see if we can find some blood and we went way out around we crashed through all this stuff it was just it was gnarly it was all red brush and it was basically a wall that we had to get through get through and we're just picking this piece apart looking for anything we found a spot of blood i mean a pinprick of blood and we're like all right so he definitely crossed we start going and we're finding pinprick pinprick charles is out ahead of me with 
um, hydrogen peroxide spraying on all these leaves, just trying to find any bit of blood. And it was actually working because it foams up. And uh, we're going through and it's getting gnarly again. And we peek around this corner and he died right in his bed. Like this absolute buck nest. There were huge rubs everywhere, beds all over the place. It was just like this picture perfect finding this buck. And it was absolutely epic. We get him all, you know, dressed up and everything. And Charles's flashlight dies. <laughs> so we have his cell phone light. His cell phone has like 10% battery. And we have my headlamp. I had left my cell phone in the truck. Onyx isn't working, so we can't figure out which way we need to go. No lights, basically. My headlamp's dying, and we're just like, dude, we're knee-deep in mud. Oh, it's <laughs> miserable. Dragging this deer. I shot it at, like, 6.30. Push come to shove this whole excursion getting this deer out. It was, like, 2 in the morning when we got back <laughs> to the truck. <laughs> It was bananas, dude, but it was uh, it was probably the most memorable hunt, I mean, in general. Yeah, I won't forget it. No. <laughs> yeah, you'll never forget that. That sounds like a blast, though. It was wild, man. Uh, dude, some of the best insane. nights are running through the woods tracking a deer until 2 a.m. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, especially when he's on the other end of it. I remember getting into that, that area, and we were just both looking at each other like, oh, my God, look, there's a rub there. Like, dude, if it, this is like a buck nest, like if there's a buck in here, this is his bedding ground. And we come around and he's like laying perfectly died, laying down in his bed right up against this tree, like with swamp grass over top of him. All we could see was like his, his back end and he come around the corner and there he was dead. It was so cool, man. But getting but him out of there, that was interesting. I give you props though, because the normal person would have gave up as soon as they got the pinpoint, like the pin dropped bloods, honestly. You don't know how many did. Yeah get lost in pennsylvania especially because there's so many more hunters in most states that as soon as they got the pin drop of blood they would have been like oh screw this deer's gonna make it he's fine mm -hmm. if there's anything i pride myself in it's definitely deer tracking um me and my younger brother we have the nickname the beagles yep um from a long time of really good blood tracking which is perfect into my story because probably my favorite hunting memory ever it doesn't involve me shooting anything. Um, it was actually a hunt my dad and I were on and we were up in this way back in this corner uh, of the property. You can't get any farther back in on this, this private piece that we hunt and we're in there and that's, these are the, the radio days. This is pre cell phone. So we got our little radios. I'm set up in a ladder stand down from him. He's probably 80 to hundred yards up from me. He shoots this buck. And the first thing is he missed missed it. He he can't find any blood, whatever. He calls me on the radio. Hey, I shot at this buck. So we get down. I go over. We start finding blood. We start tracking this deer, just him and I. And we track it around the entire hillside. And we are going through some of the nastiest stuff you could ever imagine. And And we're following very little blood. And we're not sure where he hit this deer. I mean, there's not much blood on the arrow. Nothing's really like there's no telltale sign of what he did. So we finally decide, all right, we're in a very thick area. Deer could bed down over here. Let's go ahead and back out. We'll come back in the morning. This is where it becomes my favorite hunting story because in the morning we come back with my younger brother, Joe, my older brother, Russ. Um, actually, John might have been there too, my other brother. And then my dad and my cousin, Bill, um, who is he passed away in 2011. So this 
was like an all hands on, we're going to go find your buck. So it's me and my younger brother in the front. We're the beagles. We're on the blood. Everybody else is kind of going off on their own, trying to look for bodies, whatnot. We come across this, this road bed and we can't figure it out. We have no idea where this deer went. He hit this gravel road. We cannot figure it out. So finally, my cousin found a little speck of blood going into the other side and he kind of went down the road and in. So me and my brother jump back on it and this thing opens up and there's just blood everywhere. And we're, we're literally running. We're beagle howling. We are tracking this blood through a swamp. It's just up a hill. We're flying, you know, because at this point now the deer is still alive. Like we, we haven't figured it out yet, but there's fresh blood like everywhere. And there's just a bloodbath. We're falling. So we're acting all crazy. We come back down and we cross the same spot on the road and we're like, wait a second. I know this blood wasn't here because we looked on this road for two hours looking for the next spot of blood and we're all sitting there and the realization came about this deer is still alive. Like, oh man, you got to be kidding me. So we start tracking it just nice and we slowed down, actually got our wits about us and uh, we start tracking the deer and he goes, then he crosses the main road onto onto the other side now it's like oh boy um if he goes much farther he's going to be on other private land we don't even know who they are and i don't know if this deer you know even going to die we're all kind of questioning we look up and there's this buck chasing does across the hillside on the other side we're like shit <laughs> is that your deer and he's my dad's like i don't know I, I can't tell you know it's just a deer chasing does i'm like oh man all right well let's take him as far as we can and just try to figure it out and we cross the road I come around this big brush pile stuff and I literally walk from me to Austin away from this deer. I almost step on it and it's sitting there still alive. (laughs) Like it's dead, but it's alive. Like it's at the point where he he's done. Um, he's in the shock, but man, just walking up on that deer, like literally for me to away, I jumped out of my skin. I I let out some kind of shriek. I can't even explain schoolgirl. Yeah, it was bad. (laughs) I was like, deer right here, deer right here. I'm trying to get their attention. They're all still, you know, talking and trying to come up with a plan. I'm like, he's right here. (laughs) So we finished the deer. And it was like that whole family being there for that. And then, you know, my cousin being there, he's no longer with us. Like that memory and that picture of all of us huddled around the buck, that by far, if I had to come up with like my favorite memory, that's, it's got to take the cake for me. You know, I, I've killed some deer in the years and, you know, Austin and I were together when I killed my biggest buck and that was awesome. But there's like the story's not there with something like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, the story's I not mean. there. So that, that would be it for me, man. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty awesome story. Cody, you should definitely take the, the beagle note and uh, take that to heart. Cause you, you guys are, <laughs> You guys just sprint on blood trails every time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's – I definitely – you know, if we're doing stories, you know, I, I have two of them for sure. Tracking-wise, both of them, I didn't kill a single thing. Uh, one of them, uh, Cody's brother Garrett called us. The first Sunday you could hunt, the very first archery Sunday you could hunt. I The I windiest out. day ever. Yes. Yeah, wind was mm-hmm. blowing – 60 miles an hour we're like you're nuts for even going out uh somehow he had service he called me he goes or his dad called me he's like you know you know where garrett's at he he shot a giant buck i'm like no i have no clue where he's at like he he's burned i'm I'm not going 
Cody calls me. He's like, we're, we're going to get Garrett's buck. And next thing you know, Cody picks me up. I said, all right, we'll go. We hike. Cody's like, it's so much quicker to just go up over the hill instead of using the, the valley. Well, that was an awful idea because it was straight up, and then you hit a plateau. I'm like, I'm like oh, we're almost there. Nope, it was just a plateau. You got seven more straight ups to do. And it was just straight <laughs> up, straight up. In the middle of it, it's downpouring. We're soaked. And there was two people already up there. My brother was already up there. And then Hunter was up there. And uh, our buddy Hunter. And they had the buck buggy. And I mean, we got up there just a pouring down rain. Literally on the highest hill I think you could be on in the area. And not hill, mountain. Like, we were in a different county by the time we, we started in Brockway where we live. And we ended up, it was the next town technically like it that's just how far oh man we hiked yeah and it was pouring down rain windy and i mean it, it scared the biggest buck to date and i mean it's just a a story that like you know we were all together high-fiving soaking wet from sweat from rain feel like you're gonna get blown over by the wind like it's just we were all together it was it was a good time i feel like the funniest part about the whole entire story is you know, he goes yeah, it was so windy that I missed him the first shot. He stood there. And I, shot him again. I shot at him again. He missed him, he missed him, at, he missed him at 25, and it was so windy he had no clue what happened. He actually came closer, and he shot him at, like, 15 or something like that. Like, he missed Beautiful. him beforehand. But That's other unreal. than that, love it. My, my next greatest story, because this is one I'll tell to the day I die, uh, bear season. I was up at Benazette. I knew a guy, uh, <laughs> Monster shaking his head because he knows it. Cause I, I tell it all the time because I, I love it. Uh, they put me in the spot, you know, driving this big valley. And there's only a couple spots these bears like to come up over. And they're like, yeah, you know, you're going to sit there. I was 16 at the time. This is my first year bear hunting. I'm like, okay, sure. I'm standing there, standing there giant buck comes running by me and like i'm on like a tram road like a logging road this big buck comes running up out of the valley stands on the tram road probably 140 inch buck 50 yards away just staring at me with a doe i'm like oh yeah that's pretty cool uh i can't remember i, I think i saw turkeys they flushed turkeys out of there they went flying uh next thing you know i look down i just see this big black coming right at me and uh i was like holy shit, that's a bear. Like, I better shoot this thing. <laughs> Don't know what I was thinking. Uh, it was coming at me, kind of quartering to me. And I, you know, I've never really hunted a bear. I'm like, oh, I'll put it on the shoulder. Put it on the shoulder, shot. It dropped. I shot it again. Hit it in the skull, actually. I shattered its skull. Went tumbling down over this hill, got up and just started running. I'm shaking like a leaf. I'm like, holy shit, I just shot a bear. Can't believe, like, just going nuts. And then, mind you, I hear other the guys below me are shooting, and I'm like, "Shit, I must not have killed this thing." Like, I don't know, is it dead? Is it not dead? I, like, because back down the hill is pretty deep, and uh, I'm standing there, still shaking. Next thing I know, I'm like, "Holy shit, here comes black again!" Like, what do I do? If it's a bear, do I shoot it? Do I let it walk by? Like, I don't know if mine's dead. Next thing you know, thirty yards hits the tram road because there was like a tram road below me, and I saw it. I'm like, "Holy shit, that's an elk." Next thing you know, hits the, tr my, the tram road I'm on, giant six-by-six six elk with a collar at 30 yards just standing there looking at me. I mean, I didn't end up getting the, so cool. getting the bear, uh, but it ended up live weight. It was six, 
or five forty eight or just over six hundred pounds. The guy, the holy shit, the two driver, the second driver below me. So it was me, then my uncle, and then another guy. The guy below my uncle ended up getting it. And it's just like a story. Like I saw a giant white tail, a giant bear, a giant elk, and like I didn't kill anything. Like it was just insane. That's pretty cool, man. That's that's one hell of a hunt, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's something we don't get to experience the elk part of it. That's so cool. That is cool, man. Yeah, I forget that parts of Pennsylvania are just super, super wild, and you can just experience something that cool with three different species. <laughs> that's awesome, man. That's a hell of a bear, too. Holy smokes. Yeah, that's a giant yeah, bear. It, it, it was a giant. All right, fellas, so we're pretty good on time. Uh, the way we like to end it is with a hot button topic, and I got one that I think should uh, turn some gears on some people, so... We'll jump right into it. My question is, does money buy you a bigger deer? Uh, my answer would be absolutely yes. Money can buy you a bigger deer. Um, I think that there are people out there that are very famous in this industry because they do have the opportunity and the money spent to make very, very large whitetail. Whether it's on your own property and you're managing it, putting all kinds of money and, and time and effort into your own property or showing up at a place, putting 10 grand down, um, I want your biggest buck on your property and and hunting a, you know, not a high fence, but, you know, a guided hunt in, in Illinois or Iowa if you have the tag or whatnot. So I would say yes. I'm going to go completely against you and say absolutely not. I know that's kind of uh, that's kind of a weird answer there, but I would say no matter how much money you spend, whether it's you know putting money into gear, putting money into a property, buying a hunt, buying the hunt might be a little bit different of a scenario. But let's say you even just spend a pile of money and you buy a farm in Iowa, get down to brass tacks, your woodsmanship is what's going to put a big deer in front of you and actually get it killed hands down across the board because it doesn't matter how much money you spend if you aren't in the right tree at the right time you're not going to get it done i'll go next and i'm going to say it's yes and no and i'm going to agree with what chuck was saying i'm going to agree with austin saying but i'll go why i say austin Austin's right because some Joe Schmo with a freaking pack of marble reds in Pennsylvania is going to shoot a 190 inch deer and we're not even going to know about it because we have high power rifles. Now what Chuck was saying also, I'm going to go with yes with that too, because consistently you can kill a bigger deer. If you're like prime example, Lee Likoski and Mark Drury and those kind of people. So that's the way I look at it in this situation and this topic. All right. I guess I'll go next. I was waiting for months to go. Uh, I'm right down the middle. I mean, I agree with everything that's been said. I mean, you can throw money down. Like you said, go throw 10, 20 grand down and say, give me the biggest buck on the property. But Austin, you're 100% right. I mean, if you don't, you can go buy a huge chunk of land in Iowa. Doesn't mean you're going to kill a giant buck. I mean, you still got to put in the work. You got to scout. You have to, um, you know, if you're going to do food plots or corn or whatever you're going to do, like you still have to put in all that work and still be in the right place at the right time. It's not a guarantee just because you bought 150 acres in Iowa. So I'm kind of right down the middle in this 
in the topic. Now, I agree with Chuck. Money buys you bigger deer. Now, it comes down to that last one, or I guess 5%. Can you kill that deer? Mm-hmm. You can put all the money into food plots, you know, uh, redneck blinds, all this stuff, you know, you're spending. If you look at Jerry's or Lukowski's, they're spending, I guarantee, close to a million dollars on all their properties every year just for deer. But it's that last 5%, can you kill it? Um, I think money buys you opportunities at bigger bucks. That's what I'll leave it at. I dig it. That was fun. Yeah. I also don't disagree with any of you guys. I, no. That no, middle uh, of the road answer is kind of the kind of, I don't want to say it's the safe answer, but it kind of, it kind of is because at the same sense, like Charles said, you can go and be like, I want to shoot your biggest buck and they'll probably put you in front of it. Yeah. Right. That, I mean, it's definitely possible, but yeah, that, from that a more was, practical standpoint of it. Yeah. This whole thing was tough for me because it was kind of like speak your, your mind and then let everyone else talk without like rebutting. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was tough, man. I really like that a lot, actually, but I agree. I mean, there's, there's going to be the people that show up to certain farms that have never been hunted. They have deer that are so big. They've never seen a person that you could stand up there and do jumping jacks in your tree and still kill, you know, 190, 200, whatever they have. Um, but then there's other scenarios where the guys like your, you mentioned Lukowski's and juries and some of these other dudes. Yeah. They put a lot of time and effort into their property and a lot of money and they're growing bigger deer. They're actually basically manufacturing bigger deer, but that take, that takes money. I mean, regardless, that takes money and event and they do kill a lot of them too. <laughs> I mean, they yep, kill a true. lot of giant deer. So. I don't and know. like, Statistics. I don't know. I, I, I used to work in the industry quite a bit i work for accuforge but it, it just blows my mind the type of marketing there is for like products in the industry it's like oh buy my product you'll kill bigger deer like you'd think we'd be out of that age right now but i still see it all the time and it just like it really annoys me i agree i agree too definitely man it is uh it's definitely annoying to see stuff like that i mean i went in to buy some uh, supplemental food just the other day, and there's nine different bags on there that all tell you that you're going to get the biggest deer ever if you buy theirs. <laughs> yeah. you know, nine of them, yeah. and they all, say, they all say the same thing. Yeah. Yep. So. Yep. So I think I think we're definitely more than good on this podcast. If we want to wrap it up, I don't want to take up your whole night. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not- I we're good. We appreciate you guys for coming on. Uh, yeah. Go ahead and give yourself, you know, definitely give yourself the plug. Uh, where can we find you guys on socials, your podcasts, you know, everything like that? First and foremost, I appreciate you guys thinking of us and asking us to come on. That's uh, that's awesome. It's an honor, man. Yeah, definitely honored, and we appreciate it and had a great time as well. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, you can find us on uh, – go ahead, keep going. I was just going to say it's an honor for us. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> You can find us on social media anywhere at uh, the White Tail Extraction Podcast. You can find us anywhere podcasts are found, the White Tail Extraction Podcast. And uh, yeah, hit us up. We'll talk to anybody. Yeah.